I'm Karina Celine. And I'm Matt Abetti. And this is We're, we're Just, just here, here to Help. help. Alright, so today we're going to talk about just the avalanche of charges of all of Trump's closest associates and um, passing of John McCain. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Alright, where, where do we even start with this trash heap? I mean, th- this is like a personal way that I got into it. Mm-hmm. So I've been more and more trying to like consume a little bit of conservative media every day. Just, Until you become a raging yeah, yeah, just, QAnon. Yeah, I, the only reason I'm, I'm here is to slowly, this is a bit long social experiment to yeah. sort of make you more conservative. Yeah. No, 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 just to like hear what the other side is thinking and how people are approaching it and like what sort of the message is. And once Pecker was made, I think, I think this is the day it happened. So this is uh, David Pecker of the National Enquirer. Yeah, who's given immunity uh, in exchange, he says that he has information regarding Trump's payments that have violated cam- right. campaign Right, he apparently finance. has like a whole locked safe full of Trump stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, continue. And the very first paragraph was after years of this like collusion, actually it's been like a year and a half, after a year and a half of like this collusion investigation, Democrats are scrambling for any and it any 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 kind of evidence that Donald Trump violated a law and they're like no if if there's anything about this week it's that more and more people are piling on more and more charges more and more guilty pleas are coming out more and more bombshells are coming out and it looks like sort of the DOJ's approach towards a mob is working the same way for Trump which is like we had Papadopoulos who was some low-level guy, and they got Papadopoulos to like turn on his like superiors and right. his peers, and they're just kind of moving up the chain. Like I don't think there is. We we're talking about McGann last week. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any one of these guys who's like really left. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see who gets indicted next because the way the FBI works, uh, if it's working properly, is they get like a little bit of information and they go interview you, and. They basically know everything you're going to say. Right. Right? And then the sitter's kind of looking for you to lie to them or to conceal something. And then they're like, all right, we're going to bring you up on... These charges. These charges, because you lied to us. And they squeeze you like that. Or maybe they get a little extra information, and that gets you the next person who they confirm, you know, is telling them the truth. And they're not. They bring them up on charges, and they get a little more information. And they move on the next guy, and so they're slowly, like, working to the Tootsie Roll center of the... Tootsie Pop. Yeah, one of one of my friends is uh, like ex. Uh, he's a Yale Law School alumni, so he's like working at a lot of like very big law firms. Mm-hmm. And he was like, "That's why I want to work for the U- U- U.S. Attorney's Office." And he's like, "They are literally the smartest legal minds on the planet, and if they're coming after you, you are so 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 very fucked." And I was like, "Really?" And he's like, "Yeah, like they're they're just." on top of their game yeah and i think part of it is like they show up and they know that you can't like fuck around or lie to them because they're the goddamn government right it's like so like just like listener yeah if if you get a, a door knock on your door by the fbi the first, and if you committed some crimes maybe <laughs> uh shut up get a lawyer yeah do not talk to them without a lawyer because they will trick you. Get a get a good, very good lawyer. Very good lawyer. Not Michael Cohen. No, God, that was like my favorite 
I thought that was a really good joke written by Donald Trump. Did you see that tweet? What? No. Where he was like, if you're looking for the services of a really excellent attorney, do oh, not yeah. use Michael Cohen. Oh, yeah. That's not exact, uh, but it was, I laughed so hard. It's a great joke. It was one of those things where it was like, dude, he's... Michael Cohen, you're not, like, trading a car accident lawyer. Like, you're not trading... Like, you're like, this is an accountant I know. He's really great. Like, that's not the attitude that's here. This is like, you are very fucked that your attorney has turned on you. This is not the time to write a Yelp review <laughs> of, like, this guy who... Yeah. But it's like, he, like... like you know, when he's talking about, we're going to bring in the best... Oh, yeah. You know, uh, I mean, he was saying Mexico wasn't bringing their best. In any case, the best are not surrounding Donald Trump because when he needed a lawyer, he needed like a, like a better call Saul right. dude who was just like morally flexible and uh, easily corruptible. And so he should be not surprised that flippity flippity flop flop. Yeah. Um, Michael, Michael Cohen. I, I think it's funny that also he said he would take a bullet for Donald Trump. And then. Uh, no. Yeah. I mean, I think that if you're Trump. You're any kind of authoritarian, totalitarian kind of guy. Your circle around you is mostly people. I think we were talking about this last week. It's like they rely on you for power. So their relationship to you is just like, what good are you to me? What use are you to me? And when everyone around you, their attitude is like, what have you done for me lately? Mm -hmm. You're going to get eaten out. Like, oh, you're going to get eaten out. You're going to get eaten out. You're going to get like... Uh, <laughs> What's a, what's a that was a terrible like you're phrase. You're gonna get eaten out. <laughs> you know, yeah, you're you're gonna be you're gonna be taken down a notch. Yeah, I'm a little spacey, guys. That's chill. We we uh, again ordered food, and now it's arrived in the middle of our podcast. Yeah, and uh, we're waiting to eat it, but we need to reward ourselves by finishing the podcast. So yes, we're gonna have Indian food when we're done. Um, I wanted to circle back to something about uh, the FBI and being uh, you know the best legal minds on this is that uh, after 9-11, the FBI cut its funding for white-collar crime and diverted a lot of that funding to terrorism. Right. So that's why these dudes could get away with it. So easily, it's like super blatant, crazy-ass shit. And we've cut funding to the IRS, so they're not catching it either. Right. Um, I think it's something like we're now like investigating maybe like 10% of the white collar crime that we used to. And that also goes to, goes to like campaign finance rules. Mm -hmm. Like the FEC mm -hmm. uh, is Federal like Elections Commission. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like notoriously behind on campaign finance violations and following through on them and like actually delivering the punishment. And also the fines are always like tiniest minute punishments right like for a multi-million dollar campaign the fine is sometimes like 20 somewhat grand right i mean like also just because our, our election finance system is so convoluted most campaigns will get hit with a violation right. just because it's like hard to keep track and file and you're responsible for a lot of people. you're responsible for a lot of moving parts but what trump did and what trump michael cohen did was not like a filing error it was collusion a conspiracy right it was yeah to change the outcome of the u.s election by packing down a story that would have been very damaging just a couple is like the end of october yeah technically yeah. one of the violations that cohen had was that he sent an email from the trump organization email accounts you're not supposed to do that mm -hmm. that's small right yeah but then there are there's like the but million his emails a, million yeah but his emails but there's like a million and a half uh, dollars that are used to sway the election and you don't report that 
that's huge and that is very consequential and has to be dealt with. Yeah. There's also some like conversation that Michael Cohen is having with uh, an unnamed person in the Trump organization who might be, what's his name? Alan Weisselberg? No, the name sounds right. And it's Alan Weisselberg. So Alan Weisselberg was like, where should I write the check from? Or Michael was, Michael Cohen was directing where to write the check so, from. And they're like, from the trust, which basically means the Trump Foundation, which is a charity. Yeah. So anybody who's a listener, Alan Weisselberg is the CFO, chief financial officer of the Trump organization. He's a money guy. He's, a, he's the yeah. ultimate money guy. He's uh, seen a lot of bodies are buried. Yeah. Maybe literally. Because yeah. Trump basically uh, neck deep with the mob, baby. Yeah. So we know, we now know what you're saying is that not only did Trump know, but critical members of his team that made sure that the money came from Trump's f- trust. Uh, and that is a huge campaign violence violation because if it's money that's going to the campaign to sway the election, it's money that you have to report. Mm-hmm. Um, Even if you're self-financing. Yes. Which in this case doesn't even sound like he was self-financing because he was just taking it from a charitable organization he was running, allegedly. Really? Yeah. That's a, when they refer to the trust, it's apparently seen as like dip into the charity. No. Yeah. That's one of the, that's how, what they're investigating in the Southern District of New York right now. They're so fucked. I know. I mean, that might just be, again, like. We'll see, you know. We'll see. This is where we are now as people. Is like every time something happens, we're just like, we'll see. We'll see if like justice is served or like something actually happens. I don't know. Uh, I want to talk about, speaking of justice not being served, Paul Manafort. Yeah. Um, he's brought up on 18 charges, got convicted of eight. And a mistrial on the next on, 10. On the next 10. And it was just one juror holding out. That caused the mistrial. Of the yes. 10. It was just one person who like would not agree. And you need 12 if you ever watch 12 Angry Jurors. Yeah. Yeah. So do you know what happens to the other 10 counts? They can be retried if it's a mistrial. Oh, wow. Yeah. So like in a criminal trial, you have to get 12 people to believe beyond a reasonable doubt that you're guilty, which is harder than you would think, especially when you almost certainly know that the person is guilty because the way, again, like I mentioned in previous episodes, you're not deciding... Like, do I think this person is guilty of this crime? Personally, it's like, in the specific way the law is written, does that say that he's guilty? And that can be sometimes confusing for people who maybe aren't the brightest. Right. Or not lawyers. And they should be a lawyer. They don't let you sit on a jury. Um, so, yeah, there's one holdout. I, I talked to a friend about this. Mm-hmm. So, I, again, I don't know how true this is. Yeah. And they told me that when you're on a jury, the implication is that you're supposed to test against the law. But that's actually not, that's not binding in any way. No. There's like, there's, are you going to talk about like juror advocate dudes? What do you mean? There's like some, uh, one guy in particular, this is something that you can do if you sit on a jury or if you see some like young person brought up on drug charges, he'd be like, no. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'd yeah. be like, no, I don't believe in that. I don't believe. And then like, they'll really yell at you, but they can't force you. Right. You know? Yeah. Which is kind of scary. That is very good. scary. Yeah. But it's very rare. But yeah. It, like technically, 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 you're just there to get the juror's opinion. Mm-hmm. But... That all aside, uh, Manfort has yet another trial awaiting him in September. Right, which is the, which is the good one. We're going to learn the good shit. That's the conspiracy one. Yeah, and all of the, the timing of all of this makes me think that week in, week out, for a while, Mueller has stuff for us and is kind of on like an election schedule. Like I know that yeah, these guys are like not political, 
But I think that a lot of government officials right now have learned from Comey from Comey that like playing apolitically can sometimes still be very political. And to be clear, I believe that Comey was being political in his choice to release that letter right before the election. I don't really care because we knew that Trump was being investigated too. Right. And he didn't say anything. You know, I like I and the FBI like really especially in the New York office, really hated Hillary Clinton. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll say this. I very thoroughly believe that Comey, and this is just like an impression sort of thing and, you know, articles I've pieced together. I think that Comey is very much so like a, he believes in justice. And so his main goal was to depoliticize as much. And you're hearing that as a theme from like Brennan. Um, uh, you're hearing that from Rosenstein. Like these guys who are career government officials want to do whatever they can to make it seem like they're not being very political. And in Comey's case, I think that he kind of fell in the trap of the, the like you know, newscaster trap. Which is like, we're going to talk about cl climate change. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the conservative point of view on climate change and then the liberal point of view and not the truth of the matter. And I think Comey was like, well, we're investigating Trump. There's a lot of political will around Hillary's emails. It looks improper. So let me just show up and do this little press conference and like tip my hat to it. I don't know. Like, I think that like his thing was like, well, imagine if Hillary got elected and it came out that there was a criminal investigation, blah, 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 which is just incredibly ironic. Hindsight being 2020 right, right now. He should have said we don't fucking comment on stuff so close to the election. Yeah, that would have been the easy fucking out. But I think that he was motivated by his hatred of Hillary and he didn't think that Trump was going to win. I don't think anybody thought Trump I think was so he just wanted to take Hillary for a drag by her hair, you know? Right. I don't know. But like, so I guess the point of this rounding back is that Mueller's trying to get all this shit out before October. No, I, th I think, I think the opposite, that he's trying to roll it through October. He's trying to roll things up into the election. Oh, that's that what you think? I think, yeah. that, I think that Mueller has learned uh, an important lesson about timing. And I think he is very well aware that the case is also the court of public opinion. I think that that's why we're getting consistent hits right now. And I think that that's because he started to sniff and realize that like Americans are generally starting to turn against the investigation. And that's not unusual. People have that with had that with Clinton. They had that with Actually, uh, apparently Reagan. after this week, Mike Mueller's approval rating went up. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's like a consequence of this. Like, mm -hmm. But remember, like his MO for the longest time was like, keep quiet. Don't say shit to anybody about anything. Don't comment about anything. Don't leak anything. What we work on is what we work on. And, and everything is on a need-to-know basis for the American public. Uh, because anything that gets out puts us behind. So I, that's, my, that's my read on Mueller. I really do think that the only delay we'll see is that if Mueller thinks that his headline is going to get buried, he'll wait and then release more stuff and release more yeah. stuff. The other thing that to take away on this part, at least, despite the fact that we've had lots of hits, Trump's approval rating has remained steady. He just has like a lead solid bottom that I don't think he can get because it's gone past the point of reason. Yeah. As in you mean his base is so behind him. Yeah. He can't do anything to lose that. It's become, it's become more of a cult of Trump than it is like a logical political choice, you know? Yeah. And I think it has turned into this thing of like people are so willing to twist around reason to defend that they still love the guy. 
And I also think that Trump has become such a flashpoint. For someone to say, I voted for Trump in some areas of the United States is like, what the fuck? How could you? Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, just the same as like, and I will say this, like when I was on the Obama campaign, you told people you were working for Obama and I, I was like threatened with a gun several times. Jesus Christ. Yeah. You were in Florida. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> loose, loose gun laws there. Uh, not to mention like all sorts of stuff, but I think this is a lot more raised situation. And I think that people feel extra defensive about Trump. And so even, even as bad stuff happens, they're still willing to be like, no, he's my guy. Right, but it's also like, how likely is this Trump base going to go to vote? Super likely. I don't know. I think that they're very motivated. I think they'd be motivated if Trump was on the ballot, but maybe they're not necessarily motivated by the people who are currently on their ballot. You don't think Trump is helping anybody down ticket? I don't think that he's helping a lot of people down ticket. I think that there are a couple people who have signaled their like support and love and devotion like sheriff arpaio Mm -hmm. also convicted of crimes also convicted of crimes and i should say former sheriff yeah disgraced sheriff (laughs) disgraced i think that several of these people if you're deep in trump country have signaled their support but i think the rest of them you're absolutely right they're not getting any downward support because their state is too like too liberal for them to get away with some of this stuff and i think In those states, at least, people have turned on Trump much harder than other places. Like, I feel like Pennsylvania has probably turned against Trump very hard. Yeah. I think most of the Midwest has probably turned against Trump in a very aggressive way. I mean, especially due to the tariffs now. Like, a bunch of Minnesota soy farmers are like, what the fuck? Right. I think even in Georgia. Georgia's a pretty consistently red state, but we're seeing not just, oh, God, what the woman's name? Stacey Abrams. Stacey Abrams. We're seeing Stacey Abrams win on a progressive platform, and we're seeing an energized left-wing base. And again, an energized left-wing base is the most important factor. Yes. Because unfortunately, left-wingers have not voted for a very long time. We're very disaffected. Well, it's because typically you want the gray vote, right? Which right. are people who are old and right. gray and go to vote and tend to be more conservative. Yep. While we have the youth who tends to be more liberal who doesn't vote as much. So if we can get those people to come out, we're in good shape. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing is, because I'm a weirdo, last week, remember you mentioned, or a couple weeks ago maybe, uh, like a district in, in Minnesota, five times the number of Democrats yeah. showed up. Yeah. I was like, I wonder what it's been looking like for the Dems in Texas. Mm. And part of it's because we had a weak feel. Like, other than Beto, there wasn't a lot of other Democrats that were, like, excited. But it was also, like, that even still, like, you're... The, the numbers were like there was an uptick, but wasn't like a massive uptick. Yeah. And a couple like blue Texas people are like, all right, we got a lot of like work to do ahead of us. Engagement to, like, wise. Engagement wise to get people excited and to do the thing. So that's all that all that all is to say the charges that are being leveled against main Trump officials are very political. Voting in the next cycle will not just determine what happens to Trump, but sort of the climate of those kinds of ideas. Mm hmm. I think the crazy scenario, or the scenario that's actually, I should say this, is a big possibility. So there's like about a third of a chance that Republicans maintain control of the House, and the Senate map is really favorable to the Republicans mm-hmm. if we don't get out the vote, if we're not in control. One, Brett Kavanaugh becomes Supreme Court Justice. He's going to become Supreme Court Justice anyway, which we'll discuss in our next segment. Well, yeah, well, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. 
Brett Kavanaugh, and then we're in a lot of danger in the next two years. We're going to watch our Supreme Court justices biting our nails. Right, right, right. right. Like, like, if we get the Senate, we get to sleep. Easy. Easy. Er. So if Kavanaugh gets put on the court, we're fucked for the next 60 years. If, uh... Kavanaugh gets put on the court and we don't win the Senate and we can't protect from our seats and Ginsburg is other than Breyer's next. Yeah. We're done as a country forever. Uh, yeah. But I'm... In a lot of ways. Yeah. In any case, I see what Mueller's doing. I think Mueller's trying to sway the moderate part of the country. I think he's trying to get people to either distance themselves from Trump or to say, hey... As long as the Republican Party is supporting this guy, they're enabling this super bad. They need to condemn him. And you could do that to a Republican who is in a more left-leaning, more purple state, start to put them to uh, take them to task to start saying what's happening in the White House is not okay. Something treasonous happened. Something bad has happened. I think that's Mueller's play right now. Yeah. And, and to be clear, like, Mueller is generally very apolitical and a Repu- Republican, actually. I hope that's what he's doing. My kind of read on the situation is that the GOP has been so hard on their support for Trump because, one, they were afraid of primaries from the right and his ability to uh, corral people. But two, I think that they're all implicated in whatever Trump's been up to because the Russians hacked the RNC as well. And they have those emails, but they haven't released them for a reason. Right. So I think what we're going to come out, again, this has been my tinfoil hat theory for a long time, but is that we're going to, when, if we ever see the end of this, we're going to see that the GOP through the NRA and through a variety of other organizations has been taking Russian money for years. Yeah. And speaking of co-conspirators, yeah. technically after the Michael Cohen guilty plea, uh, Trump is technically an unindicted co-conspirator. So that means that if he didn't hold the office of the presidency, he would be indicted right now. Right. Um, and the reason he can't be indicted is because he's president, and that there's geo, uh, DOJ policy that says we, you know, we don't indict sitting presidents because, and it's probably I think a good policy, right? Because it keeps them from getting wrapped up in superfluous advocacy cases, basically. Right. I also looked into the question about what the scenario would be where Trump would be taken to the Supreme Court, and the scenario would essentially be that someone uh, sued the president, and the defense would say, "Look, you can't indict a sitting president," and the Supreme Court would have to rule on just that idea. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's why this is the same lawyer friend, by the way, from earlier, mm-hmm. who was like, and that's why. People are so big on what Brett Kavanaugh said about Bill Clinton. 100%. Right, yeah. 100%. That's, uh, out of that long list from the Federalist Society, there's a reason that Trump picked Brett Kavanaugh. It's because someone said that he doesn't think the president should be indicted. Not anymore. Yeah. He did when Bill Clinton was around. Right. But then again, so did a lot of people. Yeah. Like Lindsey Graham, who said that impeachment isn't punishment, but a way of cleansing the office. Right. Yeah. Um... Oh, well, here's, here's a little fun factoid that I learned. Based, actually, after the kind of star investigation. So with Nixon, there was the idea of a special prosecutor, and he, they had very, fairly limited powers, and Nixon was basically able to fire them, right? right? So after Nixon, they rewrote the policy being like, you know, we're just going to give the guy, probably usually a guy or a woman, uh, like free reign to do kind of whatever they wanted to. And we got Ken Starr, who went on a wild goose chase, and there was very little oversight of them. So then they rewrote the kind of guidelines for special prosecutors, how the president was to be investigated. And now it's basically like when they come to the, when Mueller comes to the end of his investigation, he's going to give a report to Rob Rosenstein because Jeff Sessions obviously recused himself. So Rosenstein is acting AG for this matter. 
and Rosenstein can decide whether or not to indict the president. Right. And then Rosenstein can be like, yeah, yay or nay. But always the report will go to Congress, who will decide on impeachment. But basically the thing is, like, Trump has been just fucking with Jeff Sessions all week. Like, I heard someone say he's done everything but put a banana cream pie in his face. And so what I would do if I was Jeff Sessions would be like, yeah, we're changing DOJ policy. And I'd a president. And I'd be like master troll from the Keebler elf. But he'd never do it, though. Oh, no, he's fucking baby. Because I think he's wrapped up in it, too. He set up all the fucking meetings. I hope he's talking to Mueller. Yep. Yeah, so anyways, I think in the coming weeks, who do you think we're going to end I think we're going to see Roger Stone. Sure. I'd like to see Don Jr. Yeah, I think he he's a long time coming at this point. Yeah. Um, and then we'll see him getting a little closer to Trump. But yeah, that, I mean, all that stuff, I mean, especially Don Jr. Like, Don Jr. I think is a really good way of being like, Mueller has a lot of stuff rolling out. And I think holding off on Don Jr. is really great politically because it means that, like, hey, uh, hit him with it where it hurts later on when we're much closer. Yeah. Um, be like your son was implicated has like a lot more juice to it. Right. In any case, I, I think the big takeaways here are one, how we vote will completely shape the possibility of things like if someone was to make the decision, we can indict a sitting president, uh, making sure that uh, someone in Congress will take the president to task, uh, that we have the flexibility and breathing room to be able to legislate to defend the Department of Justice and their ability to uh, chase down these leads and take uh, take people to jail for bad yeah. things that they did. I mean, again, the founders presupposed a functioning three-branch government, and currently one branch is not functioning, and the second branch is being slowly filled with trash, and then the third branch, I guess, is also not functioning. Basically, uh, it's a worst-case scenario. Um, <laughs> let's talk about John McCain. He right. uh, died yesterday. Yes. And people are sad. Yeah. I think this is a difficult thing for a lot of people because I think the most respectful thing to do is to honor the man because he was very influential. He was a figurehead, blah, blah, blah. I think that the best service that you can do to someone who has passed is to be honest and accept that you had disagreements with them and whatnot. But I don't, nobody needs to essentially like make more out of a man than he actually was yeah i don't i'm not a big fan of this topic of don't not speaking ill of the dead sure like i think they're dead right they're not special they're not special yeah <laughs> i don't know like like it's gonna happen to all of us you can, like, i don't have a problem with you critiquing me after i'm dead you can talk some shit if i was an asshole to you uh i think john mccain's policies were horrendous right and I don't think his suffering uh, as a prisoner of war erases that. And yeah. furthermore, he got to die with dignity after receiving extensive treatment that was very expensive that he has spent his career denying to millions of Americans. Right. Fuck that. Right. Fuck that. That pisses me off. Yeah, I think... So I think the nuance here is it's probably wrong to... No, it absolutely is wrong to celebrate his death. No one should, like, want to celebrate someone's passing. I celebrated Scalia's death. You celebrated Scalia's death? It was probably, it was probably like a monkey paw celebration because the goddess Gorsuch. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't, like, a great... I guess, I guess, I don't know. I wish Scalia died earlier. Yeah. That's just for practical reasons. Yeah. But, I mean, I think part <laughs> of it is, like... <laughs> I not only celebrated his death, I wished it had come more rapidly. <laughs> oh, my God. 
just for political reasons. But I, th- I think that like he still did the things that he did. I still have those agreements with disagreements with him as a person. Uh, his death does not make it inappropriate for me to criticize him for the specific things that he did. Mm-hmm. Doing that does not keep me from also honoring the man for being a public servant, being a senator, whatever else. He's a mixed bag. No, he is a mixed bag. Here's the, th- here's the thing about John McCain is that he is how we should all kind of be understood as people. That There were good parts, there were bad parts. We disagree with him. He did terrible things. He did great things. And that's, I think that he understood that that was his legacy. Yeah. Um, and there's some of his quotes from his last book that talk about that. Like what, what made me admire the man is that he was a prisoner of war for six years. And, uh, he has, he comes from basically a military royalty family. Right. And, uh, the Akong were like, we'll give you back if you want. I wish we'd agree, like, propaganda move for them. But he was like, no, I will not go home until everyone who's captured before me goes home. Which is something that I would not have done. So John McCain is a better man than I am. Sure. That way. I would have been like, all right. Yeah. I uh, Honestly, I probably would have escaped to Canada had I been drafted. Yeah. And, also, I, but. and, and, and there are things to admire, like when he uh, voted down the Obamacare repeal. Yeah, that was a boss move, but also bare minimum. Look, there's a lot to criticize about the guy. Even even as he was sort of like passing, dying, he still voted in line with Republicans. Yeah, and he, he for for criticizing Trump as much as he did, he voted with him. Eighty-three percent of the time. Yeah, I think it was more than that. No, it was eighty-three percent. That's the stat that I read. Yeah, it's because he wasn't voting crazy. very much at the end. Yeah. Yeah. But when it came to stopping Supreme Court nominations or the tax bill. Yeah. I mean, this is the guy who, during the election, said if Hillary Clinton was to be elected, he would do everything he could to continue to block a nomination. And then Trump became president, whined about whether or not Democrats would let the confirmation process go forward. So, you know, do I believe that John McCain did a lot more bad than good? Do I think that his legacy in this country was to the detriment of this country and then by extension to the world? Yes. I mean, this is a guy who, despite the fact that he served in Vietnam, cheered on the Iraq war. This is a guy who he was against torture and was uh, vehemently opposed to legislation that like uh, allowed for torture. Here's the, the thing. I, was like, I, I, I don't understand how people can support war and not support torture because they're fundamentally equal. Sure. I just I don't understand where it's, he yeah, got I mean, that it's, from. Like, it's, it's human torture. I mean, it's, it's human suffering. And any of those soldiers who are captured by an enemy could be subject to torture. He is essentially raising the likelihood that an American would face the same suffering and pain that he did. That's like a fact. That's like yeah. a fact. Yeah. Did McCain vote for a tax break for millionaires? Yes. In a time when he could have voted against them and been okay. And been a check on Trump because the balance of the Senate was so slim. He could have exerted real power, and he chose not to. Yeah. He he selected Sarah Palin as his vice president. Essentially ushering forward the Tea Party and the alt-right. Yeah, and giving a mic and giving credence to some of the more dark parts of the conservative party. Mm-hmm. These are all things to, like, you know, like, the man dying does not take away from those things. I think that 
when someone dies in this kind of situation, it's a good reminder to have like the ability to stand back from something, be critical and be deliberate about your disagreements with someone without having to like impugn them as a person. He made a lot of the wrong choices, I think. I disagree with him in a lot of different ways, but I don't think that... <sighs> no, I haven't have a difficult time saying that. I don't... Uh, You're being very even-keeled about this. The thing that... I, I guess the thing that's holding me back is some of the stuff that I've seen has just been like, I'm fucking happy he's dead, or like, you know, he's a piece of shit and blah, blah, blah. None of that's part of like a civil discourse. For me, that sounds like other people have suffered a personal tragedy. McCain has a family. McCain has friends. Yeah. Uh, and that's difficult. And I think just as like people, we have to have some respect for. There's, 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 there's like the human suffering of losing a loved one. Sure. And that's a very human experience, and everyone will probably go through it unless you're the one that's dead. You know, like I have respect for that, and it's very sad for them. Okay, but it's like, did Osama bin Laden have a family who loved him? Sure, yeah. And that loss? Yeah. I mean, but are you, are you all, comparing John McCain to Osama bin Laden? We're all people, aren't we? Sure. You know, I'm just breaking down that argument. Right. It's like, Osama bin Laden did a lot of bad things in his life. Yeah. Some of them may be good. I don't know what he was like. To some people. To I'm some sure. people, I'm sure. Yeah. No, but I'm, I'm serious. It's like, it's like, where do we draw the line? Because I remember people running into the streets celebrating his death. And the French were like, I was in France at the time uh, when uh, Barack Obama got Osama bin Laden and SEAL Team 6. Uh, and they were like, we can't believe that you're doing this. It's disgusting. Right. And so like, where do we, where, where is that line drawn? Yeah. And why, why did they say it was disgusting? Because like, you shouldn't celebrate the death of another human. Yeah. I think that's where I'm at. I think where I'm at is like, I can't celebrate the death of another human being. My, what I would rather have happened is that John McCain was a true maverick. I don't think he really was, but like, or that, you know, through his years had a more and more liberal opinion, used his position of power and notoriety in, in Arizona to be able to help people. I don't even think it's a liberal opinion. I think it's just an ethical, if he had been more ethical. I don't know. Here's the thing. Like what I believe is that John McCain was probably the last of the dignified Republicans, right? Or the last of the conservatives who we see as like, I'm like, listen, my opinion is like, you know, if you want to be conservative, if you want to be in fiscal responsibility, if you want to be a war hawk, right. like that's chill. Fine. Like we can have a debate. And a difference of opinion. And difference of opinion with that. Like I respect you. Like I can understand your, your side. What I can understand is the current Republican party, which is built on hatred and vitriol. Right. And shamelessness and a complete lack of decency. So I respect McCain for that. I don't respect him for his hypocrisy. Yeah. And that's something that was one of the first things I thought about when we're talking about John McCain. And I sort of saw like, again, the mix in social media, people like being happy and, and sad or relief and sadness. And it was when uh, in 2000, a woman essentially questioned Obama's uh, citizenship, loyalty to this country because of essentially his skin color, but also like her belief that she was a Muslim. He, she and basically says like, I can't trust him. He's an Arab. He's an Arab. Yeah. yeah. And McCain was like, no, like, I'm not going to agree with that. He's a good man. Blah, 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 blah. There are some issues with what McCain said, but I think like the heart of in it the, is In the sense was that being an Arab is a terrible thing. Right, 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 right. 
yeah, McCain says, no, he's not an Arab. He's an American. Blah, blah, right. Blah. But contrast that with Donald Trump, whose first action in office was to ban Muslims. Now, does that mean the Republican Party has gone so far in one direction that one of the more conservative people? I mean, look, McCain replaced Barry Goldwater. Mm-hmm. And Barry Goldwater was no conservative slouch. <laughs> Uh, so to get his seat in Arizona, McCain had to be a pretty right-wing dude. So what does that say about how far the Republican Party's gone? So that's something that, like, I think is going to be more and more missing McCain's sort of appreciation for democracy and debate. And yeah, like, I, I never doubted John McCain's patriotism. Yeah. And his, his quote for when he was held in Vietnam was like, I fell in love with my country when I was held in another one. Right. And I think that's a very powerful idea, right? I never doubt his patriotism. I'm like, I doubt the... I, 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 don't, I don't even doubt the patriotism. I don't believe... I think that Trump is a traitor. Yeah, I don't think that he's a, a patriot in the slightest. Yeah. Uh, and I don't I think, think that, that Repu- he is treasonous yeah. and a traitor. And I believe that about most of the Republican Party that supports Trump right now. Um, yeah. Yeah, the other part of uh, McCain's evidence kind of sees this into what happens now is that if he had resigned... Before May 30th, we would have a special election this year right. where the voters of Arizona could decide who would take his seat. And he knew he was going to die, right? especially uh, around before May 30th. And he wasn't voting anyway, but instead he chose to hold his seat until his death, which now means that the governor of Arizona, who is a Trump freak, is going to nominate someone for his seat that's going to hold it until at minimum 2020. That was his last choice. Yes. It was essentially another boon to the Republican Party. It sucks. I don't know what to say about that. Like, it sucks. It's terrible. Until it, the last moment, he was party over country. Yeah. I know I just said he was a patriot, but like that. I mean... He was loyal to America and he was loyal to the Republican Party. He's loyal to the idea of America, maybe not America in practice. I don't know. And the stakes are much higher now, right? I think there's no way that McCain, who is a seasoned, lifelong politician, didn't appreciate that giving Ducey, Governor Ducey of Arizona... What a terrible name. I know. Governor Ducey. He wants to become president. Uh, Probably will be. Giving him that power meant that he would essentially be replacing himself with a Trump loyalist. Yep. And here's, here's, the, here's, here's the rub of it, right? Without John McCain in Congress able to vote, the Republicans only had 50 votes. Yeah, 50 to 49. Yeah, 50 to 49 of us. And so we, to stop Brett Kavanaugh's nomination, we only needed one person to defect. We just needed to break one. Right. And now they're going to replace him with someone who can go vote, and now we're going to be able to break two, and that's not going to happen. Brett Kavanaugh is, for all intents and purposes, unless something... Amazing happens if we all take to the streets and stop the nomination hearings is going to be on the Supreme Court. And that means we lose Roe v. Wade. We lose gay rights. We lose immigration. Citizens United. Citizens United sticks around. Everything that's evil, everything that's evil in this country is going to blossom and grow because John McCain cannot just step the fuck down before May 30th. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, on that bleak news, uh, we have some Indian food to eat. Oh, yeah, we do. I'm real hungry. Real, Matt is like a wilting violet right now. Yeah. I'm getting a pounding rage headache. I'm starting to incite some 
incite violence. It's my favorite thing to do when I'm hungry. It's terrible. I would not survive a famine. No, probably not. No. I'm Chris Lean. And I'm Matt Betty. And this is We're, We're Just, just here, here to Help. help.